We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy is here with me today on this September 14th, two days after the loss to the Chargers, two days before what feels like a pretty big game against the Giants. Uh, He will weigh in on the game. If you missed Cooley yesterday on the show, uh, Cooley had a lot to say about the game on Sunday, uh, and he will continue to join us periodically throughout the season on this podcast. If you missed him yesterday, just go back um, to yesterday's show on any platform. And if you have issues with the platform, like Apple, I know there have been some issues recently uh, with uh, sort of a timeliness of the show um, being available. You can always go to the KevinSheehanShow.com. The show is always available on the website that we created um, minutes after it's published, uh, so sometimes well before it's available on Apple, Google, or Spotify. But I get most of my podcasts from Apple. I listen to this one on Apple as well. Uh, and if you're doing that and you haven't rated us or reviewed us, if you could do that, that really helps. Some really nice reviews coming in from some of you. Um, if you rate us five stars and give us a one to two sentence review, that really helps us. Uh, you guys uh, really like uh, Tommy and I together, and uh, that's much uh, appreciated. Um, from Steve L., best show in the DMV, Kevin and Tom together are gold. Uh, I appreciate that. A lot of people listen from outside the area, and we've always known that. Um, great show. Glad I can listen from Iowa, says Christopher Trapp uh, via Apple podcast. Some of you um, had some constructive criticism. Uh, Sheehan's love affair with basketball is a weak point. Uh, It leads to a lot of fast forwarding. I'm sorry about that, but at least you have the fast forwarding feature in the podcast. Uh, And substandard on the delays in posting the show um, means one less star for me. Um, Again, on the posting of the show delays recently, it's been an Apple issue. Uh, a lot of podcasts have had problems with that. We apologize. Uh, we're doing everything we can, but I know the last couple of days it's been better. Um, all right. Uh, we are going to get to a lot of football here uh, in this uh, opening segment. And I'll start the show by acknowledging this. You are not 
a big fan of the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing. You really didn't say specifically why. You just had this feeling that at 37 years old, the chances were much greater that it wouldn't work out than it would. And you were right. You were 100% right. Now, on our bold predictions, you said he would lose the starting job a little bit later than he did. You didn't predict the, t- the three drives into the season, the quarter and a half. Yeah, and I predicted no, I he'd start all 17 games. <laughs> uh, so were you peacocking all around your 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 townhouse uh, family room living room on Sunday when he went down and it looked pretty serious? Well, I was at the stadium. Oh, I know you Sunday. were. Yeah, you were one of the, you yeah. were one of those people that were there, huh? Yeah, I, I went to the stadium Sunday, and I tweeted out. I mean, look, I, look, I don't take any particular satisfaction in somebody being hurt. So it's not like I was strutting and peacocking. But I tweeted out, what did people expect? I mean, why did people just, I mean, including national credible reporters, excited about Fitzmagic? And what if if the odds of something going wrong were far greater than the odds of succeeding? Well, you you know why people were excited, and you know why I was looking forward to it, because it was definitely an upgrade over what they had recently, and he was coming off, really and truly, the two best, the best two and a half years of his career. Yes, and I, I was convinced that the likelihood of him repeating that as he gets grows older, mm-hmm. we're going to be diminished. Right. Okay, and plus, you know, you can say it was an upgrade, but the guy who was the starter for uh, the, the second half of last season five was and five one. and yeah. one. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yes, you I know? am. I am. So, but, uh, but he couldn't play anyway. No. Like, he's, he was not an option moving no. forward. He was done. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, look, this, this guy, like I wrote in my column, uh, you know, he's a quarterback. Taylor Heineke is a quarterback. Kyle Allen is a quarterback. They are not the quarterback. Well, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't. I, I mean, they're not the one that we they're saw on the other side of the field on Sunday. That's a quarterback. Yeah, Th- that's what that we're talking guy was about. A quarterback. And you're going to see more of those in the coming week. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, so so let's start there. This whole first segment plus is going to be on the Washington football team. I'm assuming everybody now knows that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a sublex, you know, subluxation of his hip, whatever the hell that means. I had people who are uh, medical people, including a friend of mine, reach out to me to say at his age, this this is more likely than not longer than three weeks, which was the initial, you know, comeback from IR. And then Schefter said six to eight weeks. Um, but some probably believe that it, it might be it. Like this is, you know, this could potentially be a very serious injury season long. And we got, you know, we, we never even got any Fitz magic in, in the quarter and a half no. that he played. We didn't get to experience any of the Fitz magic. What we do get a chance at, though, now, is what a lot of people are very excited about, and that is 
a legitimate shot for Taylor Heineke to be the starting quarterback and to prove that he deserves to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Tommy, this um, this opportunity was not guaranteed. They did not think he was a starting quarterback after that Tampa game. They tried desperately, and they ended up uh, settling on Ryan Fitzpatrick to find a starting quarterback to bring in here. He was never a threat to be a starter. He didn't wow him enough to even make it a conversation. But he's going to get this opportunity, even though there was no guarantee that he would. I mean, there, there was a possibility that, first of all, Fitzpatrick could have been good enough all year long where Heineke wasn't uh, given a chance or didn't get a chance that Fitzpatrick, you know, was was really good for eight games, then got hurt. And at that point, Kyle Allen had already emerged as a much healthier, better number two option for them because we know they like Kyle Allen a lot. So this opportunity was not guaranteed. Um, it was maybe uh, in your mind and a lot of others, um, you know, a, a, a lock that at some point Fitzpatrick was going to fail or get hurt. That's fine. He's not a guy that's been hurt a lot. He had COVID at the end of last no, he year, uh, yeah. but he's getting this opportunity. He's getting this opportunity, and there was no um, there was no guarantee that he would, but he is, and so we are going to find out on Taylor Heineke. You know, he's got the next, I don't know, four to six games minimum to prove it. You know, that's that's a better sample size than seven and a half quarters, which is the total amount that he's played since he got here. You know, one of the things I point out in my column off the game Sunday was only in Washington could a backup quarterback become a legend after losing both games that he was in. <laughs> I don't know that he's a legend. Come on. Oh, oh he is among this fan base. Ah, uh, there's some. That legend can disappear very quickly, and I tend to think it will once he's exposed over the course of time. But the reality is I don't think this hurts them really that much compared to how their, the outcome of this season with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think... It's, it's got, I don't think he's going to hurt them offensively. I don't think he's going to help them that much offensively either. I think that my prediction of 8-9 and nine would still be intact with Taylor Heineke as quarterback, or even Kyle Allen as quarterback, which eventually that's going to happen. And that was your prediction. That was your bold prediction is that Kyle Allen would be the starting quarterback yeah. when Fitzpatrick got benched at the bye week. Right, and I still think that's going to happen. Uh, because one thing, and I, again, I'm not wishing it on him, but Taylor Heineke it's, has had a problem staying healthy o- over the course of uh, his career. Uh, so, but I don't. But again, you know, this is. I don't think this is a big step down. I think for what this, what they can do, uh, I don't think this gets in the way. Really, I think this all this this talk of of slinging it down the field and all the weapons. Was cheerleader illusion, you know, illusion, preseason illusion. And I just think they'll be kind of like what they were last year, maybe just a little bit better overall because their roster is a little bit better overall than it was last year. This is not going to make a whole lot of difference. It's not going to make them better, and I don't think it's going to make them much worse. 
So a couple of things that you've said I want to address with Twitter polls from the last two days. You can find it at Kevin Sheehan, D.C., and I'm sure you already voted in them, and I appreciate that. Yes, I did. I always support um, the Twitter poll. I, uh, the Twitter poll yesterday, and then we did a call segment today um, on radio, is what is your confidence level in Taylor Heineke being the starting quarterback? And there were four potential answers. Um, you're sold. He's the guy for the job. Um, which I think would speak to those uh, in the fan base that you believe have already, um, you know, uh, anointed him a legend. Um, he's a be- he's number two. He's just a better option than Fitzpatrick. Number three, you have no idea really at all. Number four, you're not confident at all. Well, fifty point three percent said have no idea really. So I do, th- and and only eleven point nine percent said. They are totally sold. He's the guy for the job. So I do think that maybe the Taylor Heineke people are loud, but I don't know that they are massive in numbers. That that's really beside the point. By the way, Ivan, but that, you're probably right. You're Ivan, probably right. Ivan, a longtime caller, um, a very affluent. Um, uh, Delray Beach uh, guy in Florida, plays golf every day, uh, is retired. Ivan said that I posed the question incorrectly. He's always um, lecturing and always has great ideas for the show. But this time, in all seriousness, he really did. He said, your third option, have no idea really, should have said, have no idea really, comma, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, and I, by the way, that's too many characters for a Twitter poll. Um, You only get 25 (laughs) characters. But I think the point is a good one that if you, if, if the answer was, I don't really have any idea confidence wise, but I, but I want to see it. I think that it would have been more than 50%. I think that would have been 75% of the answer. I wanted to see what Fitzmagic could do here. Um, This year, Uh, you know, I didn't know how it would go, but I predicted that he would at least continue on the path that he was on the last two years with maybe a better supporting cast and that that might be good enough for them to be a competitive team this year. Um, You know, I predicted eight, eight and one. I didn't predict four and 13. Uh, so that speaks to, I think what the, you know, on some level, I mean, it's 2,500, 2,600 votes speaks to some level of what they really think of him. Um, uh, the fans do. And then today's poll was, does Taylor Heineke give the Washington football team a better chance to win? 57.8% say yes. 42.2% say no so far. And I think, Tommy, this speaks to what you were just talking about, which is nobody really feels like the chances of winning are any less. In fact, some people think they're greater than they were before. Yeah, that second poll really kind of addresses what I'm talking about here, is that I, I think people don't think there, there's really much to gain or lose with Taylor Heineke, a quarterback. Uh, or at least to lose with Taylor Heineke, a quarterback, compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I don't think people think there was that much distance in between, you know, the outcome of these games. I think that if it works out, this would be the ultimate win for the franchise because they weren't planning on playing him. 
And if it happens and it happens right away in the season as it just did, and it turns out that he can really do it and he's a real legitimate possibility as the starting quarterback moving forward, that's a huge win for the franchise. And Fitzpatrick was always going to be short-term, a year, two years max, most likely. So they still, as you said, Tommy, and as you wrote, they don't have the other guy. And until they have the other guy, a guy like Herbert, you know, you really can't take this franchise seriously in terms of their chances to compete for a Super Bowl. So they're looking for the next guy. And Fitzpatrick wasn't the next guy. Heineke, I don't think, is the next guy either, but he's got a better chance of being the next guy than Fitzpatrick, and so does Kyle Allen. Yeah, if, if for no other reason they have time on their side. They're both relatively young, although Taylor Heineke, I think, is 28 right now, so which is not old, but uh, he's no spring chicken either. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, they can compete. With Taylor Heineke, I just don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, I mean, again, I just think that, uh, you know, it may happen before. I don't think it'll happen later. But that, that, that string of four or five games before they go into their bye week is nightmare scenario uh, for whoever's the quarterback for, for this team moving forward. And, by the way, not to derail the whole conversation about the quarterback, there's no doubt they have to win Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, I've got, that on my, I've got that on no my list doubt. here. I'm gonna... It's the most winnable game on their schedule looking forward. I've got uh, Rivera recording tomorrow for Thursday morning's radio show. Should I ask him what we asked Zorn after one game? Do you think that the, do you think your job depends on them? I wouldn't do that, but I am going to ask him definitely. How you know is this? Does this feel like must win? Two home games to start the season. You're then into a mini buy before you go to a team that played in the AFC Championship game last year. Zero uh, two with both of them being at home would be a pretty difficult you know uh, pill to swallow. Um, I just want to uh, no no wait wait wait. Here's what you need to ask him. Is this a code red game? <laughs> Jay Gruden, your predecessor, uh, called a game a code red game. Is to- you know what? That's the way. How- that's exactly how I'm going to ask it. Code red game. Um, so, you know, I think you, you mentioned the, the the Heineke age. I-, I think it is important for those that are so you know sure. And I don't think it's a lot of people. You know, I think it's. It's it's a it's a small percentage of people that are absolutely sure that he's going to be the next coming of Tony Romo or Kurt Warner, the two greatest undrafted quarterbacks in NFL history, um, in recent vintage vintage. Uh, you know, since they went to a a much shorter NFL draft back in the day, they used to have I don't know Tommy twenty rounds in the draft. So wasn't Unitas like a nineteenth round pick or something like that? Um, set, was he a seventeenth round pick? Unitas was like super late. In the draft. Yeah. Yes, he was. Um, I don't remember what exactly it was. But let, let's understand, not that, you know, a lot of people totally couldn't have whiffed on Taylor Heineke. Uh, to, on Thursday night, he's going to start his third NFL game. He is 28 years old. 
And there have been people like Bill O'Brien. Think whatever you want about Bill O'Brien as a head coach and certainly as a general manager for that short period of time. He's terrible. But he is an offensive quarterback guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick gives him a ton of credit for teaching him how to play the position uh, in, in a different way, um, in a way that he finally understood the game. Uh, Unitas, by the way, was a ninth-round pick. Uh, I'm thinking of somebody yeah. else. Yeah, ninth round pick. Ninth round pick, and he got cut by the Steelers in camp. Ironically, the the guy who beat him out was Ted Marsha Broda. Oh, really? Yes, who would be obviously become a, a an NFL coach it, and a, and a Washington football assistant. Uh, he was uh, but, uh, a George uh, Allen assistant yes. uh, when Allen got here in in nineteen seventy one. Um, yes, there there is a a great quarterback that was drafted like in the. 17th round and I, I I'm I'm trying to think might might be Jim Hart not that Jim Hart was a Hall of Fame quarterback I'm just thinking of quarterbacks from that day anyway whatever I we get sidetracked per usual um if he ends up being what a few of you think he is going to be it really would you know basically beat all odds the odds are stacked heavily against Taylor Heineke being a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. They are stacked heavily against him. Um, They are stacked less heavily, actually, against Kyle Allen, who has started a lot more games in the NFL, but not a lot, and is younger. You know, he just recently turned 25 years old. And I would also point out that 28 years old isn't even probably prime years anymore for a quarterback. I think a quarterback in the NFL right now hits his prime years probably at 30. You know, 30 is when they start to figure it out. Ryan Fitzpatrick said, I've just started to figure it all out in recent years. Uh, So I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I do think this is a big game. I think you're right. Uh, I think it's a massive game for them. It's definitely a big game for the business of the Washington football team, which we'll get to here shortly. Um, but if they're going to be a competitive team and be a playoff team, I know they started 1-5 and five last year, and maybe if they do start 0-2, 0-3 against Buffalo, there's plenty of time, and maybe the division will go bad again this year. Uh, it would be nice to beat the Giants. They didn't beat them last year. They haven't beat them since 2018. They appear to be the only team that Daniel Jones consistently feasts on. Uh, he's yes. had his biggest games against Washington. I'm telling you right now, Tommy, I don't like Washington Thursday night minus the three. I think it's a really? sh- yeah. I think it's a, a super short number. I think the public's probably going to be on Washington and Taylor Heineke because of the giant because the Giants looked so bad. And let's face it, the Washington Chargers score was very misleading. Washington was beat up in that game. They were dominated in that game. It was a fluke that the game ended twenty to sixteen. Uh, but big picture, you know, on the quarterback thing is they had one on Sunday, we didn't. And then as you look at the Fitzpatrick going out that quickly, it does make me go back and think, and I felt this way at the time, um, I don't know that they could have pulled it off, but maybe they should have been hyper-aggressive in the staff with the Stafford opportunity. That was the one that was legitimately available. Darnold was legitimately available. Tyrod Taylor was legitimately legitimately available. Um, so was uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but they, with Stafford, maybe they should have 
made the Sean McVay offer of two firsts, a third, and a really key player, um, you know, uh, it, it, to, to Detroit. And maybe Stafford would be their quarterback. You can, I don't think you can think too, too, you know, too big um, when you're talking about a guy that that obviously will come in and give you yes. a legitimate chance. Fitz, uh, Rogers was never available. Deshaun Watson, they turned down three firsts in a second. Schefter reported before the, you know, before the happy ending addiction became uh, obvious. Uh, Jameis Winston was not available to anybody. I don't believe that he was. I think he saw Sean and they saw him as their long-term answer together. Uh, and, you know, not that one week tells much about the NFL, but he was pretty spectacular on Sunday. So you can go back and say maybe on Stafford, and if you be- if you were a believer in Darnold, he could have been had for a second, maybe just a third. Uh, I, I think uh, the Carolina got a third, uh, gave up a third and fourth for him. Um, I like Darnold. I thought I thought the Jets were moving on too quickly from Darnold, but we'll, we'll see on him. But you you could make the case, and you could have made it at the time. Fitzpatrick is a road to nowhere. He's too old. No matter how much excitement he brings, no matter how much of an upgrade he is, no matter how well he's played recently, go after somebody that gives you more upside. Trade whatever you need to do to get Stafford, or you know, roll the dice with a second rounder for Darnold. I mean, I, I don't know about Darnold. And, uh, I mean, if Matt Stafford had a saying where he was going, I don't know why he would have uh, agreed to a trade uh, Fair come point. to Washington. Fair point on him. So uh, all, all those are, are contributing factors. As much as we think it's now Nirvana with, with Ron Rivera in charge, I'm not sure the rest of the league is buying into that. At, at this point, but uh, <laughs> you know the Giants looked horrible. I mean, you know, I mean, from what I've read, uh, and I didn't watch the game. I mean, the Giants were a disaster, and they have to travel now. They have to travel west to east on a short week to then come down to Washington. No, to they, play they, on they played at home. Night. They played at home. In oh, they open. played at home. Yeah. I thought they played in Denver. No, they played okay. at home. Yeah. Okay. Well, they played at home, but uh, I mean, this, this is. This is the game you, you got. You got to win. You got. This is a code red game. It absolutely is. Oh my God! You've got your Friday morning, your late Thursday Friday morning column already <laughs> written. If they lose, um, actually, you've got your pregame column written. This is this is a no. This is an absolute must, and they can't lose this game because the Giants stink so badly. It's not the way the now, NFL that, works, oh, that, as you that, know. That's that said. Uh, I, I'm still not – look, let me give you kudos for being uh, right about the Eagles, at least. I'm not right. No one's one. right about anything after week one of the NFL. It's full but gold I, every year. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to lean towards your, you may be right about the Eagles. I like them. I, I think they're going to beat the 49ers this week, too. And the, the thing is, though, I don't think after one week we've seen any reason to think that anyone in this division – it's going to in the NFC East is going to run away with it, so it's conceivable that Washington could take a beating and maybe win a handful of games between now and that that five week stretch at the end of the year where they all play all division teams and still be able to compete for a division title at the end of the year when Ron Rivera's teams are typically better. Yes, they have been. 
during his course of coaching. He's yes. had a lot of Gibbs-esque runs at the end of years where his teams have played their best football um, in December. Uh, I, you know, it, it feels like a have-to-have game because of two games at home. 0-2 is a favorite in both games, especially considering that then you're into that mini-buy before you go to Buffalo and then, you know, to Atlanta. They got their ass kicked by the Eagles. Again, I, I can't, I think it's really hard to do anything week one. You look back week one last year, the eventual Super Bowl champions got their ass kicked at New Orleans. There were several playoff teams that got their ass kicked in week one last year. It's not, it's usually a, a, a big head fake, but I do have this feeling of of you know um, stomach pain uh, over them being zero and two Friday morning when I walk in to do the show, you know th- selfishly there's nothing worse for us than a season that goes south quickly. Uh, it's yeah. really really bad. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, that's not nearly as bad uh, as long as they're competitive into into November. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. The sales cycle and in radio in particular, the the fourth quarter, um, there's still big opportunities if the football team is in contention. And advertisers tend to be interested if they're still in contention and not interested if they're out of it. Uh, and so. So I really hope they win on Thursday night, and I hope that it doesn't start 0-2 because if it starts 0-2, it's going to get ugly. And that leads me to this, Tommy. You were there on Sunday. Um, I've not had this confirmed, but I will tell you, nobody has reached out to me as as they've done in the past when I've said something and been dead wrong um, no one's reached out to me to tell me that I'm wrong. I probably should reach out to them to confirm it, but I don't think they will. I think Sunday's game, the 52,752 or whatever it was, it was 52,000 plus. I think it's the smallest paid attendance crowd since they started to sell out DC stadium in the mid sixties. The only way I would be wrong on that is if the attendance in the mid sixties wasn't 55,000 because RFK became a 55,000 seat stadium sometime in the early to mid seventies. I believe it, it for, for all I know, it was 50,500 in 1966 when they started to sell out, but at least in the last 50 years, 40 to 50 years, I think Sunday was the, the, the smallest opening uh, day home opener crowd um, in 40 to 50 years. And then on top of that, you probably saw John Oran tweeted out the ratings for uh, the game locally. And I had John on the show today. Um, the ratings locally were not very good. Um, they were It was a 15.4 on television locally. That's down 7% from last year's opener against the Eagles. They did a 16.5 locally last year. And as John pointed out, the bad news is, is virtually every NFL home market in week one was up and Washington was down. Now, wow. I know what you're going to say or what you usually say. 
this isn't necessarily totally reflective of interest um, anymore with the way people are able to watch games. Uh, I mean, my own son last night, before the Monday night game with Eli and, and Peyton, you know, is screaming at me to send him my ESPN Plus login <laughs> and password because they don't have cable. And, you know, they, they, the kids, they, no, nobody gets cable at that age anymore. But anyway, the point John made this morning is that. It's not a good number for them, period. This is a number they used to do just five, six, seven years ago in the preseason. So it's a bad number to start with, but what's really ominous is they may be one of the only markets in the NFL that is off in week one from where they were a year ago. Now, some people were complaining that the game wasn't on CBS in some counties that border the Washington counties, like Anne Arundel. Well, that isn't a Washington-rated market. That's a Baltimore-rated market, so it's, it's irrelevant. You know, the ratings are based on the counties and what makes up the Washington, D.C. Met, Metro, or MSA, for ratings purposes. So that, that really is not a factor. Um, anyway, I, I look, you know I get into this stuff, but... I think it speaks to what I've said to you a few times over the last couple months. There's optimism for this team. There definitely is. But we could be in this bubble of dealing with a lot of people that are paying attention to the team, but it's not as many as we think. Look, I think uh, you have to take into account with the numbers, uh, the track record of the way this team has been going for the past two years. So I think the numbers do mean something and not something good uh, for, for this team. Uh, the crowd, and apparently this was an important thing to some of the people in the cheerleading squad uh, on, on Sunday, <laughs> and they were right about this. The crowd was enthusiastic. Well, that's good. Uh, sometimes 50,000 is more um, than good enough if they're really into it. Uh, so I'm glad that the environment was enthusiastic, and hopefully it will be on Thursday night. Uh, you know it would generate massive enthusiasm? Did you see what RG3 said? I know. He's, 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 he's like a buffoon. It's really unbelievable. I think he's now actually graduated to really um, trolling the fan base. I think this was actually pretty funny. For those that missed it on Instagram and Twitter – right when it was announced that Fitzpatrick was done in IR'd, um, he put out a uh, video of himself, like including uh, one the, the highlight, you know, the electrifying run against the Vikings in 2012, uh, saying, make the call. <laughs> like, look, nobody's more lacking in self-awareness and, and more self-promotional than RG3, but I think he's playing us on this one. I mean, he knows there's you no chance. Right. You, may, you may be right. You're probably right. But what percentage of people that are fans of this team would do actually still believe that that would be a viable answer? The ones that, uh, that want to st- – the ones that think he was wrong. There's still a percentage that think he was wronged here in Washington. Oh, yeah, there is. Uh, 10 to 20%. 20%, Tommy, one out of every five still thinks he got completely screwed by the Shanahans. And if not for the Shanahans, he'd still be a star quarterback in the NFL. You're probably right. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm RG3 exhausted, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, me too. Although I think I've been that way. I think I've been uh, exhausted um, with him for a while. But if he is taking this new um, approach to the Washington football team fan base with uh, tongue uh, firmly placed in cheek, uh, good for him. Um, It's actually a better look. Uh, All right, up next, Tommy has some thoughts on Sunday's game and a specific player that he wasn't very happy with. Uh, More on that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Get to Tommy's thoughts on Sunday's game. Uh, A couple of other things from me on Sunday's game as well. Then we'll get to the Eli Payton broadcast from the Monday night game last night. Antonio Gibson was on the injury report yesterday with a shoulder injury. Uh, We are recording this podcast. Don't know what his status was at practice today. Let me just just point out that according to reports uh, from Ashburn, from the media, Antonio Gibson was out there for stretching. Okay, well, that's so good news. He's out on the field stretching, so that's good news. We'll see if he uh, takes part in practice today. I was going to point out that if Gibson couldn't go, and that would be a disappointment, and I know he fumbled, and I know he had a couple of drop passes, 
I think there was a lot of positive from Gibson on Sunday that continues to sort of say to all of us, I would think, that he's got some real ability to be a a big-time dynamic back. Um, But if he couldn't go Thursday night, it would be Jarrett Patterson. I think that was one thing, and I didn't mention this yesterday with Cooley. I think one of the um, things that was noticeable, Patterson had three carries and only two counted because one was a seven-yard gain that got called back. But uh, I think it's pretty apparent that that he's the backup to Gibson if Gibson were to go down as the primary first down back when they're trying to run the football. It would be Jarrett Patterson. It would not be J.D. McKissick. You know, they only had three backs up in Gibson, McKissick, and Patterson. Um, Also, I wanted to mention to all of you that said ultimately they invested $10 million in the quarterback and 35 million in Curtis Samuel and they didn't have either one of them for most of game 1 and won't have either one of them for several weeks and I don't know what the the status of Samuel is right now um this continues to speak to how poor the training and the medical is in Ashburn. Uh, first of all, Fitzpatrick, I think, was completely healthy before Sunday. Um, I do not know if they handled the Curtis Samuel injury in in, a, in the wrong way. I have no idea if they mishandled that at all. Uh, I th- it's a completely different staff than the one that existed with Trent Williams and all the other issues that were going on. None of those people are left, including, right, Tommy, the team doctor, um, who who was the Alex Smith doctor. Yes, she quit. Right. So, anyway, uh, your thoughts on the game Sunday. I have not heard them. Go. Well, uh, what really stuck out to me was – the absence of uh, Chase Young's name, uh, you know, uh, when they were calling out the various defensive plays during the game. Now, there were a lot of Chase Young jerseys in the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has sold them a lot of jerseys. Yeah. Okay. But on the field, there wasn't much uh, visibility of, of number 99 unless he was getting uh, manhandled by uh, Rashawn Slater, uh, the uh, Chargers uh, tackle. Uh, But, uh, I mean, wouldn't you say that was a disappointing performance? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to – I said this yesterday. It's hard to really um, identify any positives from the defense in that game. Um, Somebody uh, sent me this tweet, and I'm looking for it right now, and I think I can find it here. Uh, Yeah. Daniel, um, Sheehan, you really massacred the defense. Uh, what about the 20 points? And they actually only gave up 13. They held uh, the Chargers to two for six in the red zone. Uh, the offense didn't score enough points. That's why they lost. Um, it's just one of the dumbest takes I've ever heard. Um, but I've heard it before in games like this before. People that are just stuck on... Uh, you know, the, de- the team only gave up 20 points and the defense only gave up 13 and the offense only scored 16. Um, it's a, it's a complimentary game, football is. 
the Chargers were two for six in the red zone. One of those red zone trips, uh, Daniel, was a kneel down at the end of the game after their 15th play on the drive that ran the final seven minutes of the clock out. Um, another trip to the red zone ended um, with a field goal after Keenan Allen was opened by every bit of five to six yards on a third and four and just flat out dropped a perfect throw from Justin Herbert. Uh, that was one of the stops. Um, they also had a play that was an incomplete pass called a fumble. Um, and, you know, and yes, Montez Sweat made a nice play on that. He did. He made a really nice play. Good pressure. Maybe the best pressure of the day uh, by Washington. Uh, but they owned Washington's defense for the entire game. They made 14 third down conversions on 18 chances. If you think the defense played well, uh, I don't. I can't help you. It did not play well. It played horribly. There were a few individuals I thought that stood out at times. I thought Cam Curl did. Um, a, a couple of times I thought William Jackson did. I thought John Allen had a couple of plays that stood out in my mind. But the defense as a whole was completely befuddled, confused, um, and didn't execute against a really good team, you know, with some star players, a clear stud at quarterback, two excellent receivers, and a really good back, and and clearly a revamped offensive line, which includes their first-round pick, Rashawn Slater, who had a great opening day. Washington's defense, Tommy, per pro football focus, take it for what it's worth, um, produced the least amount of pass rush of any NFL team in week one. Now, part... Part of that is part of that is balls coming out quickly, and it came out quickly, and that was part of the Chargers' game plan. That's part of everybody's game plan this day, these days. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the, the ball's coming out quickly, but on a final drive on third and sixteen, the ball didn't come out quickly then, and they didn't get anywhere near near Justin Herbert. No, it it was a massacring of the defense that was totally legitimate. Um, that team spent the entire day with the football in their hands on offense and much of the day converting third downs and in Washington's red zone where they did make some mistakes. Not Washington. Washington made a good play on the interception by William Jackson. That's a good stop. And the Montez sweat pressure that you know forced the incompletion that somehow got called a fumble, it's a good play. I'll give you that. Um, but kneel down... Fumble that should have been incomplete, a dropped pass by Keenan Allen. You take those three out, and you're two for three on stops. And you, you know now you're Washington, now you got one stop out of three in the red zone. They Washington they, ran 55 plays offensively, 81 for the Chargers. Yeah. Yes, and it wasn't dominated be, time know. of possession, 36 to 23. It was a total aberration. The final score. Any anybody that watches even a small amount of football understood that most teams the way they played like the most teams that play like the Chargers played and most teams that played like Washington played that that score typically is going to be a whole lot to a little bit. That Cooley said thirty-five to ten yesterday is what it should have been. Um, it would be a whole lot to a little bit in most cases, and it was flukish. It was flukish that it was there for the stealing. They had a chance to steal one. The Chargers had six dropped passes officially. Six. 
And they but, had at least two that I remember roughing the passer calls against them. Well, one was legitimate. One I didn't think was a very good call, but whatever. Um, and Washington yeah. was on the wrong side of a missed face mask against Antonio Gibson, which was an egregious yeah. miss. Uh, the other thing that came out of the game per Pro Football Focus or Next Gen, I forget which one it was, my sons sent me this, um, is that the offensive line had a disastrous day, which we all know, that the pass protection was really yeah. bad and that Sam Cosme in particular really struggled. And I wanted to make this particular point. And I think it's a bit of a reach, so I'll concede that going in. But Sam Cosme was targeted by this uh, team's front office and one coach in particular, Scott Turner, who really liked Cosme. He really liked Elijah Moore, the receivers from Ole Miss that went to the Jets early in the second round. He really liked Deami Brown. He really liked Sam Cosme. Before the draft, uh, before the second day of the draft, I said Cosme and Deami Brown and Elijah Moore are three players that Washington would love to get one of those. Well, they got two of them. They got Cosme and Deami Brown. Um, Cosme played incredibly well all summer long in practice, training camp. And he won the right tackle job. You know, they had they had a rookie in the lineup the other day because of how well he held up in practice against the likes of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Now, again, that's practice, I understand. But if Cosme wasn't consistently doing pretty well against the likes of Sweat and Chase Young, he may not have been in the starting lineup on Sunday. Well, he was in the starting lineup on Sunday, and he faced Joey Bosa. That is a top-tier elite defensive end right now, pass rusher, outside linebacker in a 3-4 when they're in 34. That's what an elite pass rusher looks like. I'm not saying that Chase Young and Montez Sweat aren't going to be Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, T.J. Watt, Chandler Jones. Jones had five sacks. T.J. Watt had two on Sunday. And I'm also acknowledging, I understand the sack stat is can be a little bit uh, more misleading than it has been in recent years because of how many teams are getting the ball out quickly. But T.J. Watt still had two sacks on Sunday. And Chandler Jones had five. And Joey Bosa was wreaking havoc by himself all day Sunday. I think Chase Young is going to be that kind of player. I am predicting Chase Young will eventually be that kind of player. And I think Montez Sweat can be that player. I was a huge Montez Sweat fan in college at Mississippi State, and I thought he had a great year last year, a big step forward year last year. But they're not there yet. That's the point. They're not there yet. They did not. Finally. Good. Finally. I mean, I I just think the crowning of Chase Young has just been too premature. I think he's going to eventually get there, though, Tom. I do. I mean, unless it would be it would be shocking if he doesn't. It would. It would be. I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't. But you know, he hasn't done it yet. No, but he he was a much better player last year than the statistics said. It's why he was the defensive rookie of the year. There was an acknowledgement that he was truly a difference maker, and he was for this team. But he was not a difference maker on Sunday, and he was not a difference maker in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. He was more often than not a difference maker last year. The defense as a whole, 
had their best days against the worst offensive teams that they faced. And they're not facing those teams this year. At least not as of now. So the defense, to me, it was... It was a big, there was a red flag on the defense coming out of Sunday. I want to see a dominant performance on Thursday night. You know, Saquon Barkley did not look like himself Sunday. He's clearly not ready. Uh, They could not run. Denver's defense and Washington's defense have been compared to one another. The two teams have been compared to one another. Teams with good supporting casts, outstanding potential defensively, well coached defensively, but quarterback is an issue, right? Well, Denver completely shut down the Giants on Sunday. They shut down Saquon Barkley. The Giants couldn't run the football. They struggled to move the football. The Giants were, um, you know, they they had a a key turnover, another Daniel Jones key turnover. He doesn't seem to turn it over against Washington, but he had a big fumble in this game, and the Broncos blew him out. I didn't see the game. I'm not going to act like I watched the game. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what I've read about the game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the game before Thursday's show to have a little bit more on the Giants uh, on NFL Game Pass. But they better step it up Thursday night. They needed one effing stop on that final drive, and they had a third and 16 and couldn't get anywhere near impacting the play. So, yeah, you're right about Chase Young and the rest yeah. of them, most of them, on Sunday. Now he had a couple of good rushes. Uh, he got held once, and he and and unlike the Tampa game, he was game planned for Sunday. They were chipping him. They doubled him at times. They realized what he could do. But T.J. Watt's getting doubled too, and I guarantee you, Chandler Jones and some of these other guys are getting doubled and chipped at times too. So at some point, that can't be the reason you don't end up with double digit sacks because you were game planned for the entire year. That can't be the reason. No. The real great ones, they overcome that. The TJ Watts, the JJ Watts, the Nick Bosa's, the Joey Bosa's when he's healthy, they overcome all that. So uh he's gotta he's gotta play better than he's played in his last two games for this team. At the same time, he was he was a beast at times last year. He was against Nick Mullins and some of the other quarterbacks that they faced that weren't so good. But no, nobody in, in on their defense in the last two games has reminded anybody of T.J. Watt, of Aaron Donald, of Miles Garrett. Um, you know, no nobody's approached that level, and I hope that they will soon. You know, but he is only in his second year. But he's you know, and I think he'll eventually get yeah, there. Okay, what else do you have on the game? He's, he's nothing, nothing. It's just that you say he's only in his second year. Uh, but he's treated like he's royalty, and he hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Miles Garrett in his first year in Cleveland had seven sacks. Okay, four three defensive ends, seven sacks. In year two, it was thirteen and a half. Then ten. Then uh, and by the way, then then the in, the the injuries and then the suspension. Remember, the suspension right. at the end of twenty nineteen. Um, so he's been double-digit sacks the last three years as the same kind of player I think people would would equate Chase Young, the same kind of upside potential, disruptive, defensive end um, kind of a player. Uh, he's gone 13.5, 10, and 12 and been an absolute monster. He had four forced fumbles last year. Four. 
Uh, Khalil Mack, same thing. Started a little bit slowly in year one and then came on year two, year three. So they got 16 more games this year. I imagine that he's going to have a major impact on several games this year. I would be very disappointed if he doesn't, even against the best offensive teams. I'd like to see him have a couple of big games. I mean, Chandler Jones against Tennessee had five sacks on Sunday. T.J. Watt against Josh Allen and that Buffalo uh, uh, offense was dominant the other day, had a dominating game the other day. Uh, So, uh, you know, not only did he have two sacks, he had a forced fumble in the game as well. Chase Young's capable of doing all that. Just have to see it consistently. And he was hurt last year. He wasn't healthy the entire year, so I just made an excuse for him. For last year, but no excuses this year. He's healthy, and he wasn't good enough Sunday, nor was anybody else on defense. Uh, anything else, or you want to get to the Eli Payton stuff now? Yeah, let's get to the uh, the uh, Monday night broadcast and the, the, the Mannings. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This segment of the show brought to you by my bookie Sunday night, Lamar Jackson head to head with Patrick Mahomes in a Sunday night game. That's a can't miss matchup. My bookie has all of the action. Get started by making your first deposit at mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC to instantly double your deposit. That's double your money, double your winnings with your first ever deposit using my promo code KevinDC. We get a ton of football starting tomorrow night. Thursday night, excuse me, um, with Washington and the Giants and some college games. Big college weekend, and then week two in the NFL, and my bookie's got all of it. Uh, Fair point spreads, fair money lines, very fair pricing. Make sure when you go to mybookie.ag for the promo code in your sign-up, it might have something in there. Erase that and put Kevin DC in there. That's the way you get your deposit double dollar for dollar. So if you open up the account with 500 bucks, you'll see a thousand in the account. And remember, you can't just do that and then 
think you can just withdraw the money. They're not stupid, okay? They're not going to allow you to use my promo code and turn 500 into 1,000 and then withdraw all the money. Um, you've got to use that money to wager with over a period of time. Uh, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Even if you've got another place where you're gambling on sports, uh, you should have uh, another place where you can comparison shop on point spreads and pricing. My bookie's a great spot. Use my promo code, Kevin DC. Hey, I was thinking uh, first Monday night football game you and I have watched since 1993. I was a senior. You were in the seventh grade. You had braces. Filled, uh, good, though. He's worth, my acne had cleared up, if I recall, so I was oh. looking good. No. Brothers Manning last night on the alternate broadcast of Monday Night Football. Tommy, did you watch, and if so, did you like it? Well, I watched Peyton and Eli for a while. And first of all, the audio sucked. The, uh, it was breaking it. up really a little did. bit early, yes. Yeah. And uh, after a while, while I enjoyed it, I, after a while, I... I kind of got tired of it. I wanted to watch the game. And I, I found that it got in the way sometimes of actually watching the game. So I switched back to the traditional broadcast because I wanted to watch the game. Yeah. And, and I, I tweeted this out. And there's no right or wrong on this. I'm not saying that if, if you liked Peyton and Eli, you, you know, you, you're wrong or anything like that. It's just a different it, – it, it illustrated the different ways generations consume sports now. I mean, we have a younger generation that don't necessarily watch the games like we did. They watch highlights. When they're watching the game, they're on their phone with their friends texting or talking. You know, they're on their computer and their phone uh, at the same time watching uh, – while on TV, uh, they they're they're not distracted by Peyton and Manning because they're Peyton and Eli because they're not really paying attention. You know, if you watched Peyton and Eli, that's what you were watching. You weren't watching the game, and this is this is what happens on Twitch. People tune into Twitch to watch people <laughs> watch stuff. It's it's. It's just a, a different way of consuming it. I mean, there have been surveys where young people, they, they consume their sports now in highlights, not, not sitting down and watching a full game. They don't do that. So this was, to me, and I think they're on to something here. I think ESPN was smart to do it. Uh, but I think this caters to uh, a different audience. I think it's valuable. I think, uh, you know, It'll last as long as Peyton decides it'll last, you know. He may get bored with it at some point and decide not to do it anymore. But I think it illustrated the difference in in generations and how they consume sports now. Yeah, on that point, um, I I think that the team executives um, in sports all understand uh, that to grow their business – they're appealing to a younger demographic that consumes their product differently. I mean, I had somebody tell me um, a couple of months back uh, that it's the people that come to games now, the in-stadium experience isn't necessarily designed for those that really care about the result of the game. 
Um, it's about creating an experience uh, for them when they're there, uh, making it family friendly, making it, you know, bar friendly, making whatever it is, um, making it technology friendly. Um, and obviously gambling will have something to do with it, but they're not, you know, attracting at a 70,000 seat stadium, 70,000 people that are there that totally care about the result of the game. Like they are in it for the home team to win the game. I totally feel the same way about last night. There's no chance I would watch Washington and Seattle on November 29th, uh, Monday night football on anything other than the actual game broadcast, because you you weren't watching the game watching Eli and Peyton. Um, you missed parts of the game. You missed parts of plays. Uh, they weren't analyzing the game. They were trying to entertain you. Now, at times they were analyzing the game, and at other times in the midst of interviews they were talking about you know how Barkley did in gambling this weekend. I think it was very entertaining, and I and I I wasn't going to turn because I I didn't have action on the game last night. I didn't bet the game, um, and even though I was interested in the game. Um, uh, I, 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 was, I was entertained by Eli and Peyton and all the guests they had on. But there's no way if you're really into the game that you can watch the game that way. I compared it this morning, Tommy. If you're interested in the results and of a golf tournament and you really want to know what's going on in a golf tournament, you're really vested in the actual competition, well, you can't go to a golf tournament. If you go to a golf tournament, you don't know anything that's going on in the golf tournament. Um, so this last night, if you wanted to be entertained and have a good time and you didn't care what was going on in the game, Eli and Peyton and, and all of their guests and all of their friends, it was a great option. I'd, like to, I'd love to know what it was, would, is going to do ratings-wise. Um, but if, it, if you're interested in the result of the game, you've got to watch it on the regular uh, broadcast. I agree. I, I agree. And uh, but again, I'm not criticizing that. I mean, I understand it was entertaining, but it's not what I look for when I'm watching a, a sporting event. But uh, you know, my sense, my senses are different than probably even a 35 or a 30 year olds watch it watching the game. Let alone 20 year olds watching the game. They consume it differently, and you know, they like watching somebody else watch the game and talk during the game and, and, and all that. And that's fine. And, again, I, I think it was smart programming, and I think you'll see a lot more of it from other, from, uh, other networks uh, as a, as a complement to their traditional broadcast. But, I mean, I don't know if it's ever going to replace the traditional broadcast in our lifetime. Uh, I don't know if it will or not. But it is, it's, it's Twitch. This is what people, this is what young people watch on Twitch. Yeah. Um, the game itself was great. And when I, yes, wo- when I woke up super early this morning, not that anybody cares what time I got up, um, I had recorded it on the regular broadcast. So I, I, I watched that and then I, I watched the rest of it here on NFL Game Pass. Um, and it was a great game. It was a wild game. Uh, the overtime 
Uh, I knew what had happened by the time I watched this, but the Raiders had it at Baltimore's one. They they scored a touchdown in overtime. It got overturned and marked at the one-yard line. Then they got a penalty. Then Carr had a pass deflected and intercepted. So, uh, you know, they had won the game, and then they were on the verge of winning the game, and then Baltimore had the ball back in still a tie game. Lamar Jackson fumbled twice. Um, Those were key plays in the game. Um, it's funny in watching the beginning of the game, I really, I'm like, God, the Ravens have had all these injuries and, and people are down on the Ravens this year. I've noticed, um, I, I watch them. I'm like, man, it just looks like the same old Ravens to me. Looks like the same old Jackson. They had this running back Tyson Williams from BYU who looked great. Um, you know, they didn't have a running back, and now all of a sudden they've got this guy Tyson Williams, and they signed Latavius Murray, and defensively they're out there hitting people. And um, But by the end of the night, they had given up over 500 yards, uh, 491 yeah. to be exact, um, to the Raiders in, a, in an incredible shootout, 33-27 Raiders win it in overtime. You know, the question coming out of that for football fans is, you know, this question about Derek Carr, you know, do you think he, you know, has that something, you know, is he, is he a potential great quarterback? Cause nobody's had him listed, you know, in the top 10 to 12, you know, 13, 14 quarterbacks. I mean, I think after last year, which was his best year, he moved up everybody's, you know, on everybody's list into probably the top half of the league starters and maybe a little bit higher. I was never a huge Derek Carr fan. I thought he played better last year. Cooley was always a Derek Carr fan. Um, Cooley said when when he was drafted in the second round out of Fresno, I think he was the second round. I don't think he was the third round, but he was a projected first round. And Cooley said then he thought that the Raiders stole Derek Carr, that he was going to be a great quarterback. And here's another example, Tommy, of a guy that may just start be on, you know at the beginning of, of figuring it out. He's 30 years old. Um, he's in whatever year he's in, seventh or eighth year, and really nowadays with the game as complex as it is, this this is his window to be great. And what's really interesting is the Raiders and John Gruden, you know, in the offseason didn't seem to be committed to him. You know, there was a lot of rumor and discussion out there about how they were interested in potentially trading him. That if Deshaun Watson had legitimately been uh, available, how the Raiders may have been in play for him or Russell Wilson and and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know. I, I think at this point he's a lot better than most, and he's probably a top half of the league starter. So you got to figure out a way to keep him. I know that he, you know, got it done on big drives last night, including a game-tying uh, field goal drive at the end in a back-and-forth fourth quarter, and then in overtime on two different occasions. And that interception was a little bit flukish. It was a a ball through the hands of um, of uh, of of Hunter Renfro, actually, or Zay, uh, who I, I forget who it was through the hands of. I think it was Renfro. Um, who who couldn't pull it in, and then it deflected off a couple of things, including a helmet, and then the the Ravens ended up with an interception. But Derek Carr's interesting because who knows? Maybe he has a chance to take that next big jump a- a- into the conversation of the really good quarterbacks. Doesn't Washington go out to uh, Vegas to play the Raiders this year? They do. Yeah, December fifth. I know a yeah. lot of people that are interested in going to that game much more so than any game at FedEx Field. <laughs> I can't tell you how you many. No, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't sell out. You know, they didn't sell out. Yes, last night. 
what? The tickets on the, the tickets out. were in the thousands of dollars on StubHub. They said it was not a sellout. Really? Now that may have been the the fact that you needed to prove uh, vaccination to get in. Maybe that was had an impact. But I read somewhere. Let me double check that it was not a sellout. I heard the tickets were through the roof for this game last night. On, on you know on on the aftermarket. That's I, I didn't I did not know that if if that's true. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Well, try to double check. Why, why let the facts get in the way of of, of a good story? Um, I, following your lead. I, I I I will tell you that the you know people who aren't even friends of mine who aren't even really paying attention that much, dude. We, we're going to Vegas right in early December. Get tickets, go to the game, spend the weekend in Vegas. Everybody wants to do that. Is going to be the biggest and most valuable and sought after road uh, NFL trip for a couple of years, especially for the NFC teams that are only going to get this opportunity once every you know eight years or or whatever it'll work out to be. Uh, if I was look, we, we've talked about this phenomenon before about how. Uh, you know, Washington. We know Washington football fans rather than rather than invest money in season tickets at at uh, Ghost Town Field have have opted to invest it in road trips for games at uh, two or three games uh, over the course of a season. Uh, that's why you see a pretty good Washington contingent on the road sometimes for these games. People love to go to road games, no doubt about it. It's- According to the Las Vegas uh, Journal, they don't give a number, but they call it a near sellout crowd. Hmm. Okay, sixty-five thousand seats announced attendance sixty-one thousand seven hundred fifty. Well, what's the reason for that? Was it COVID? Was it vaccination? The team announced last month that fans attending game at Allegiant Stadium must provide proof of COVID nineteen vaccination to enter. There you go. That's yeah. that's uh, interesting. Um, you had God, man. We had some crowds this weekend in the NFL. That's for sure. Uh, hey, one last thing, Tommy, before we call it a show for the day. Uh, USC fired Clay Helton yesterday. This would have been the Urban Meyer spot, not the NFL. I, I'm not saying that Urban Meyer after one week. I I think Urban Meyer is a great coach, and it'll probably work out. But he's a college coach and made for college, and my God, he would have in L.A. I don't think he's going to leave after one year to take the Southern Cal job, but that would have been the job for him. And I don't know why you know, SC stuck with Clay Helton for another year. I know there was some optimism about this year, and they had a horrendous loss the other night to Stanford. They gave up 42 points against Stanford, and Stanford couldn't even score, um, barely score the week before. Uh, but... Um, that job is still, I think, a big job, isn't it? L.A., West Coast recruiting, yes. you know, the yes, tradition. It yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely still a big job. Uh, and Urban Meyer is not cut out for the NFL. He's, he's wound way too tight. <laughs> I, 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 think he'll, I think they'll get it done there. I think that, you know, Trevor Lawrence will be fine after one, you know, horrible game to start his career. But, man, Urban Meyer and SC would have been the perfect fit. 
Um, I don't think James Franklin leaves Penn State for Southern Cal. I don't, even though I know Penn State people aren't thrilled with Franklin, but they're off to a good start this year. I'm going to the Auburn uh, Penn State game Saturday, if I didn't mention that already. Uh, I, the two well, go- I can tell you, James, James Franklin isn't going to take the USC job because that's too far away from Rudy's. In East yeah, well, that's 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 your uh, that's your spot. If you're the both of that's you, his spot too. I know. Yeah, uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State would be the perfect hire, um, and so would Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. The only thing I don't know is I don't know West Coast ties and West Coast recruiting. Whoever they they um, get, you just have to keep all of the Southern California and all the West Coast talent home, and you're in good shape. I saw somebody tweet out something earlier that in the last, I think. 12 years. Oregon has six Pac-12 championships. USC only has one. Oregon, you know, has been in the playoff. USC hasn't been. And really, Oregon's been the team out of the Pac-12 that's become the the powerhouse. And that's true. Um, SC still is the traditional power. And that's one of those places I think you can go quickly and turn it around pretty quickly. And the Pac-12 you know, is off to a good start. UCLA, with that win over LSU, was huge for them. And then the Oregon win at Ohio State, which we didn't talk about on the show at all yesterday. We, we didn't get to any of the college football. Um, was alarming if you're an Ohio State fan because their defense is just horrible. Uh, but Oregon really, really uh, uh, got a big win for the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 time has been irrelevant here in recent years, you know, as, as far as the playoff goes. And now, you know, the win at Ohio State by Oregon and the win of uh, by UCLA over LSU is huge for that league early in the year. And Oregon and UCLA play in mid to late October, I think. And that I mean, I, you know, look, there are other games that they all have on their schedule. UCLA is 2-0. and They've got a really good running back to transfer from uh, Michigan. Um, they still, you know, they play at SC. They play at Utah. Um, but they have a chance, um, the Oregon-UCLA winner, to really be in the playoff conversation. And it's been a while for the Pac-12. I think their last playoff team was was Washington. I think was their last playoff team, and Washington got absolutely obliterated by by Bama. Um, anyway, uh, that's it. You got anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. All right, we're done for the day. Uh, back tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.